0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Michael Zweigbaum. He is the founder and CEO of Wisdom, which is a gaming property that is all encompassing esports. They have their own IP, they're doing production, they have teams. He's also gonna take us through all the lessons he's learned in the scrap metal business that have then applied to a successful business in esports. Let's talk to Mike. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the, the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop podcast. podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome my good friend, Mike Zwiegbaum, who is the founder and CEO of Wisdom. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, John. It's my pleasure.
0: Absolutely. So just to give the audience a little bit of our friendship origin story is I was introduced to you during a trip up to lovely Minneapolis, Minnesota, and got to experience your space there, got to talk with your team. And really, I think we just vibed and I really appreciate watching everything you've done. That was about three years ago now, I want to say. Yeah, And so I watch you on LinkedIn, I watch your streams, I'm checking out all the steps that you guys are taking at Wisdom to really establish yourself as a major esports player. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to share your story with everybody today.
1: You got it. Thanks. Thanks again.
0: Wonderful. Well, first of all, to give the audience an idea, what is Wisdom and what are the titles that you, that you compete in?
1: Yep. So Wisdom is a, I guess, multifaceted sports company, which really right now focuses on production and building IPs of our own. So we we love to do white label production work for publishers or for brands that are looking to get into the space or looking to draw attention to their game or build a scene around their game. And we'll go across any genre. I mean, we love FPS. We love, you know, buzz, we love, uh, fighting games uh, fgc is a great community that we love to uh, take part in their events so i myself am a huge rocket league fan so we'll go anywhere and we just like to produce really cool events and really cool opportunities for people to experience esports on a mainstream level and so we, we you know all welcoming all communities and that's half the reason that as we'll get into it uh, we chose our location
0: and then you also have some competitive teams as well under wisdom as well yeah. do i have that right
1: yeah, so as far as the esports org, we do have Torrent, which competes in RLCS, Rocket League, uh, mm-hmm. have a great team, three uh, three young kids who are just awesome, Magic Bears, Zanil, and Kinsey. got to give them all a shout out. And then we compete in Apex Legends, we compete in Halo, and we also have a women's Rocket, Rocket League team that competes in the women's Carball. So that's the competitive aspect of our org. And then we also have MNVL, which is the Minnesota State Varsity League. And that's the high school program that we run that is getting close to 2,000 kids and getting close to 100 schools across Minnesota. And so we also service that uh, as well and uh, have a couple other IPs that we're continually working on. One we're reintroducing late August, which is Gold Rush, which is a Rocket League land that we're going to be throwing at our venue.
0: Awesome. Well, what I'm hearing for you from you, and, you know, the audience may not be as aware of wisdom as I have been kind of seen behind the curtain, if you will, but you guys have a very unique approach to the space. And one of the challenges from an esports org perspective is monetization, right? And so typically the act of competing in video games loses money <laughs> <laughs> with player salaries, if you're hosting an event you know there's high cost for production at times there's fees for certain leagues that you want to compete in and so typically that is shored up with sponsorship dollars but sponsorship dollars rarely pay for all the money that is going out the window there's a lot of investment capital that you know that the orgs are saying hey this is entertainment of the future which i personally believe and so invest now and you'll get a great return down the road but I'm really impressed just as you're listing what my org does. It's not just a bunch of teams competing and hoping you get Target out there in Minneapolis to, <laughs> to sponsor your team, but you've got the, the White Label solution, your own IP. Talk a little bit about how you developed this and your unique personal perspective on this space. Sure. I knew that, e- that we had to be
1: relatively broad to get into esports, e- and so... Uh, and, and so we took a, a large approach, at the, a, a, kind of a shotgun approach to start, and we're doing consulting work, we're doing live event production, like at Target Field for the Minnesota Twins and things like that, and then COVID hit. And it's like, whoa, Every, you know, all of our live productions, all of our consulting work came to a screeching halt, but we had continued to develop our media network. And we had continued streaming. We had continued to make new content that was engaging and we were getting good streaming numbers. And so we kind of just put it all into, well, we're gonna be completely uh, virtual going forward and focus just on our streaming and our production. And we got really good at production. We have some amazing people. And even during COVID, when all of us were in our homes with our own PCs, we were able to put on great shows and our creative was awesome. The storylines were great. Our talent was great and so it really excited me about content and about producing content for the scene you know keep going forward a little bit more and we started winning some production work with riot games specifically Mm -hmm. um, started doing some of their team fight tactics work which is a big scene that that we're really fond of and support heavily and all of a sudden there was an opportunity to start paying some bills with some production work which was exciting yeah and um You know, but we knew that we'd have to eventually raise our bar as far as the production work went. And we also knew that we knew that we had a unique opportunity, to be honest with you, because with Mall of America here and really kind of what I saw as a a vacuum of real esports entertainment excitement in the Midwest here, we said, okay, you know, here's we can go build a studio and a warehouse out in the suburbs and, and produce our content or we can do this really cool and we can go to Mall of America and we can produce our content there, but we can also, you know, have people experience esports from a team perspective and esports from a amateur perspective, e- esports from a scholastic perspective. And so it really all started with the content and with us, you know, building kind of some a scene and some credibility within the industry. And then once we had that, we, we felt confident that the next step was us moving to Mall of America and, and kind of expanding our vision and expanding our scope.
0: The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by iShaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder, Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players, Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my ice shaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for ice shaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your ice shaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded ice shaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save twenty percent on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. That's really interesting. I'm curious in your perspective of there's kind of two different dynamics from a a pro esports perspective from a location standpoint. And one is either I'm here in Dallas, which is you could say maybe the second biggest esports hub to second to LA. And so you might say, okay, if I want to start an org, I need to be, in Dallas, or I need to be in LA, where you know these things are happening. Obviously, LA, there's a bunch of publishers there, so that could be an argument. But there's the other side of the coin, right? Which is, wait a minute, there's not representation here. Now, obviously, our friends at Version One are are in the same city there, but the Midwest greatly is under representative, rem- underrepresented in the esports space and so there can become a vacuum where you're the only show in town or or one of two and able to really rally around that base
1: yes and that was the whole thought version one came to town and, and that was great for us because you know they had they had their, they have the call of duty and and valorant and you know a lot of the expensive games that are really exciting to people and so just to have them in town is it is kind of even brought us forward even more brought us uh, you know more excited about the opportunity but that was really you know we look at it as an international opportunity However, also just because mall of america gets 40 million visitors a year it's literally more than disney world and graceland combined whoa and so it has international travelers there every day you know it has hotels it has the airport you know it's a train five minute train ride from there and so Yes, there was a vacuum in the Midwest. And so but but we also saw an opportunity to be on a stage that no one had taken up yet. You know, I mean, if esports had been more advanced, it would be more likely that a big name would have wanted to set up at North America, just being that it's such a prime location. But it was a great opportunity for us to work in conjunction with them to say, Okay, let's do something in the Midwest that isn't just for the Midwest, it's for the international scene, but try to bring the attraction to the Midwest.
0: Well, one thing I love about our esports community is that it is a true community and even professional teams that are in you know close together location-wise can still be complimentary in fact i had a, a podcast the other day with gabriel Coase of the magic gaming orlando magic mba2k team and one thing that he was sharing was he said hey sometimes we collaborate with misfits who's just yeah. down south in the miami area saying hey these guys do get great content creation, but if you're looking for, you know, this NBA audience, you know, we would love to be your partner. It sounds like, and I guess some of that, the Midwest hospitality, I guess it's not Southern hospitality, Northern hospitality, <laughs> but Midwest folks are, are known for getting along pretty well and being pretty kind people, which you are one of those I can attest personally. Nice job. But do you think that the growth phase of esports and the fact that rising tides lift all boats, especially at this phase, has made things more complimentary and saying, Hey, you guys do your Call of Duty, your Valorant. We're going to be over here doing the same thing, but together we're raising up this industry, especially in the Midwest.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, they're a sponsor on our Minnesota State High School League. We, you know, cool. host watch parties for them. I mean, yeah, it's uh, we're all about the rockers succeeding. We're all about version one succeeding, absolutely. And and they look to us. I think with our location and our capabilities to help help uplift them as well. And so I mean, it's cool. We both have Rocket League teams, and that's we, we want to continue to grow that rivalry. Yeah, of course. We, you know, we've had some great competitions already. So we look at absolutely. Let's build an esports scene where every Friday, Saturday night, people are going, "Hey, let's go check out some esports." And you know, we want we want to create that that regular cadence. And we're only gonna be able to do that with, with each other and hopefully more.
0: I love that. I'd love to dig in a little bit deeper on the Mall of America. I'm not from Minneapolis, so I don't have a ton of Mall of America experience. However, I will tell you, I did used to work at a skate camp in Wisconsin in the summers. And my one significant Mall of America experience was my plane was delayed six hours and I was 17 years old, and so I bought a pound of gummy bears, literally one <laughs> pound, and I ate them as I walked around the Mall of America. And the, the one takeaway listeners should have from this episode is do not eat one pound of gummy bears in one city. <laughs> Beyond my personal experience, can you give our listeners an opportunity to better understand what are you doing specifically in that space and what are your goals for that space?
1: Sure. So we built a full production studio with capabilities. Of, we have a, a full sound stage. We have a, a bar restaurant upstairs with the big screen that can show what's going on in the sound stage. We have live seating available in the sound stage. And then we have multiple control rooms, uh, team rooms, and a green room for talent. And really, what we've created is a scalable studio, which we have the, our, our actual sound stage, which is, can seat about, I would say, up to 100. For a live event, if we had like two teams competing in there, but the whole mall has, has fiber wired through it, and so we we're, what we're able to do is scale from a hundred person event up to like our our WNS, which was the Wild Rift North American Championship that we held in April at Mall of America, was in the rotunda. We had nine thousand people over three days, and we were able to produce a full scale esports event in one of the most daunting venues you'll ever see with the Mall of America rotunda, which is like four stories up with people standing on every level looking down at you while you're competing, as well as seating on the floor. But So it was really the opportunity to to create a venue that, like I said, can compete with some of the better esports venues in the world right now, but not have to spend a billion dollars to be able to do it, but utilizing an infrastructure that, that people already invested billions of dollars in to put our studio and our soundstage in that venue, and it's and the other thing I love about it too is is people can come experience a broadcast and come in for a weekend wisdom event and not just have to be at our place. They can go ride yeah. the roller coaster. They can go you know to the mirror mazes. They, there's so much for people to do. It's literally like a convention every day, and you know I know a lot of esports events have kind of followed the convention model where you'll have multiple events take place at once so you can group a bunch of people together and have a bunch. of of venues and, and different things to do really we have that every single day at mall of america and right. like i said with the hotels and with the airport all being within minutes and, and you don't even have to step outside which is very important in the midwest and in the winter you're able to experience it all on a on a daily on a daily basis and so we hope to produce daily content weekly content monthly content and then have those tentpole events that are yearly where people are like i gotta be at mall of america in late august for gold rush every year
0: I love that. Yeah, You're capitalizing on a lot of foot traffic of people who otherwise would not experience an esports event, especially within an activity where seen is really believing that I would anybody listen to this. If you have not been in person to a e- professional esports event, I strongly urge you to go because the energy there is much different than what a lot of people think when they say you're sitting around watching other people play video games. It's also a good point on the the convention style where yeah you've got these home stands or these grand finals or something like Evo which just happened which you're having a lot of different types of games within the same genre but within the same convention you are probably though the only location that has a roller coaster inside of the same the same building there so that's that's a differentiating factor for you. And then I'm also hearing that <laughs> It's a great point with just the travel and the airport is esports is so global. So when you can make the flights a little easier, when you can make the hotel stays a little easier, you can host this thing that is far more global than just about any other sport around the world.
1: Yes, and we also built our facility and built it there because it's very important that uh, the talent of esports is taken care of, right? I mean, you know, they're working harder than anybody. They're flying from city to city, the influencers and and the casters and the professionals. And so to hopefully create a really good environment for them that they want to come back, that it's easy for them. They can shoot in and out of town and not have to be, you know, saddled with, I got to take this cab to here and I got to find my hotel and I got to just make it very easy. Come in. 24 hours, boom, you're done, you're out, and it's 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 very, very simple, and that was a big part of, of what we thought is it's gonna be so hopefully easy for us to attract people to wanna come participate in our venue and in our, in our events just because we make it easy for them and comfortable.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm, I'm really digging the whole sustainable business plan vibe I'm getting from you much more than just like, hey, kids like games, let's start a team, and they'll come and we'll make money. I'm a big believer in people who have traditional business understanding and experience, who respect the eSports space, which is the most important part, but coming in and bringing those learnings into our space to help mature it from a business standpoint. Not many people would describe, when you ask a lot of people, how would you get into eSports or what was your path? Very few people would say, well, I started in scrap metal and then I got into (laughs) eSports. But you, my friend, I'd like to go back a ways and dig into your career path, how you got here. You had a very successful scrap metal business, exited, started your your esports journey. Maybe the most unique path that I've heard so far or had on this podcast. <laughs> well, thanks. <I> Thank <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that you as know, a compliment. <laughs>
1: <no>, right. <laughs> you know, I started in the scrap metal business literally three days after I graduated from the University of Wisconsin. Wow. And I took it as a summer job and ended up, you know, 25 years later, having a great opportunity to buy a business and then scale a business and grow a business. Hmm. So we started with one location and about 15 employees. And by the time I exited, we were uh, seven locations and about 220 employees. Wow. And I just learned that, you know, the, the best part, I, I was never passionate about scrap metal per se, mm-hmm. but it was really fun building a business with people that I really cared about with shared values and shared goals and and working as part of a team. And so that that's what I thought I brought to the to, to the table is, is understanding how to build a team, understanding how to motivate. And I was I had the opportunity to say, okay, I'm forty five years old now. I could go you know, I can go do something I'm really passionate about and something that I love and try to apply these same principles. And I, I was talking to my boy, I have three boys who are now 22, 19 and 14. And, so you understand um, eSports. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, hey, you know, I, I got to ask you guys a question. Would you rather go to a baseball game or an eSports event? And they were like, dad, are you kidding? Like eSports, of course, baseball. like. And I grew up thinking baseball was the world. Like, oh my gosh, you know, to get tickets to a baseball game and, and here, these kids had no, had no desire to even participate in it yet. You know, what do they want to do? They're watching Twitch. They're, you know, playing games with their friends all the time. They're talking about Cloud9. And I'm like, who's Cloud9? And, you know, they're, they're showing me this whole new world that I'm like, wow. And, you know, I always loved video games. But being 45 years old, when I was playing video games, I had to get buddies over to be able to compete against them. Like, there's no internet playing them. And so, that was at best, I'm half the time I'm playing against and it just doesn't have the same, but there was nothing like when you had four or six guys come over and you had a tournament, like that Mm. was the best. And now here I'm seeing these kids dial in and boom, they're they're competing against real people online all the time. And uh, so I I understood what the draw was to it completely. I did not understand the industry. Wow, I mean, and what a (laughs) learning experience and how, I mean, and so really it was me saying, okay, I think I can build a team. But part of building the team is identifying the people who are gonna lead your team. Mm. And I got really, really lucky with finding some excellent, excellent people out there who know the industry, who are veterans of the industry, and who who have taught me and continue to teach me on a daily basis. And that's really, I, I mean, they're the key to our success. I, I Luckily, I got, I got lucky in, in finding the right people, and that's really what's driven us going forward.
0: That's great. I'm curious if you're able to identify one of these things what was the biggest shock to you or biggest surprise or something you thought would be way different about esports than what reality turned out to be
1: I didn't realize how developed and how passionate and how and how hardworking the people in the industry were I mm. mean these are not people who are like this is my hobby and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make a job of it these are like no I've been doing this for 10 years and I've done casting and I've done production and I've done you know, I, I've, I've TO'd and I, I, I've, I've admined and I've, I've done everything in the industry. And I'm like, I never understood how, how, you know, that these, and everybody that I met in the industry is so hardworking. I mean, it's like, yeah. these are not nine to five jobs. You know, these guys are working 60 hours a week. And it, that's what blew my mind is I just, when I saw the passion for the industry, that really was like, I you know, it gave me a lot of awe and respect for the industry and saying like, I may have business experience, but this is a different breed. These people are, I can learn from them and, I, and I'm and i honored to work with them. that I'd say that's the biggest thing is how hardworking and how dedicated the true professionals of the industry are.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And not just hardworking and dedicated, but without receiving the validation for yes. years and years and years. I've got a lot of friends who, you know, formerly MLG, which is obviously a pioneer in bringing esports to where it is today and you know these guys going to these big brands and pitching them over and over again saying hey we should do this thing there's look at the numbers look at the opportunity look how many people are playing call of duty look how many are playing halo we know how to do this you know give us the dollars and they essentially to wrap your brand around this so that we can do more for this community you'll be embraced and i've talked to a lot of those guys that you know they they came out of those boardrooms disappointed time after time after time and and years ago, you know, even when somebody said yes, you know, new CMO comes in, doesn't have teenage kids, doesn't get it, <laughs> and they get starting it. over again. So I I I can relate to you that I also have a lot of respect that while this industry does have a, a ways to go in certain ways, it is much easier for those of us who have arrived relatively recently and after this road has been paved by these these veterans that we have a lot of respect for question for you what would you you said building a great team that was well informed deep into the culture was helpful was there anything else that really helped you learn the space that our listeners who are first getting into the space can maybe take hold of and get a better understanding themselves
1: just like jumping in and really enjoying the space I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on all games, and I'm part of every community. But I love Rocket League, and you know I'm watching every match. I'm in chat. I'm following you know every every, every Rizzo stream or mm-hmm. you know Magic Bear stream or whoever. I mean, then you 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 once you become part of the community, and it's it's just like any other fandom. It's just like football and NFL fandom or anything else when you find someone else that also shares the passion you know then both of you kind of light up and, and talk and get excited about it yeah I would say as far as learning as, as far as just like learning about why things are the way they are in esports is just go experience it firsthand and like really jump in twitch and youtube are are great entertainment <laughs> for a lot of hours so um that, that's I would say what taught me the most try to become an authentic member and at 49 and still be in you know, part of it, I kind of feel it's it, it kind of cool it's like because you always learn from the youth, right? I mean, that's right. the, the next generation. So, like, to be authentically, you know, friends with a bunch of Rocket League guys that are half my age is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's similar to my skateboarding experience where age, you know, your, your common understanding, your common experiences are more powerful than your gap in age, right? And so, I mean, I may be at the skate park with somebody, some kid who's 15 and we're trying the same trick on the rail and, you know, he and I have this this connection because we are experiencing the same thing and you're expressing the same thing here with eSports. Going back to the scrap metal business, so you shared briefly that you, you joined this company, you had an opportunity to, to, to purchase a company, scale it, obviously, that success isn't coming by accident. So you you either gained some experience or somebody really helped to mentor you. What helped you gain those skills? And then I'm curious as well, which of those learnings in that business have applied directly to esports to help your success in this space?
1: Sure. You know, I'm personally a, a religious person. And I think that, you know, I teach their own and I've never forced my beliefs upon anybody else. But Something that really motivated me as far as just pure business was learning and studying Judaism Mm -hmm. and kind of taking a lot of those tenets and applying them to business. One thing I realized in business is that you can justify anything to yourself in the spirit of making money. You can say, well, I did that because this guy did this. And so even though it was wrong, he did this and it was wrong. And so that justifies it. And I didn't like not having like a a moral backstop to, to say like, this is right and this is wrong. And so... Once I embarked upon those studies, it really gave me a very clear view as far as businesses is to try to always do right. It's a long-term deal. You're not, one deal is not going to make a company. And so really to make sure that you treat people right, you treat them with respect, and you live up to your word. I know those seem like simple principles, but the hardest part is applying them on a daily basis when you're, especially when you're just starting out and you're looking to build a company. But that was the only way that I realized that people can scale because otherwise you have so much that you're keeping inside that you don't want to share with this guy and you don't want to share with this guy Hmm. Um, and so really full transparency doing things above board and not being afraid to show everybody what what's going on allows you to go from one location to two locations to eight locations because you're applying the same principles across all of them and you're not treating anybody different i would say that was And I learned that from my studies, really. So I'd say that's probably the biggest thing, and I try to apply that to eSports as well. I mean, there's a lot of charlatans in gaming and eSports, and there's a lot of really good people. You know, one thing that we've tried to do is, is, you know, yes, we built a studio and we built a venue, but prior to that, we made sure that we had something of substance to be able to fill the venue that we already had, you know, we already had something in esports. We weren't just saying, "Hey, we're going to build this venue," and then it's going to be so easy for us to just build an audience. No, it was let's mm. build an audience. Okay, now we're at a point where we can support a venue, and that—that's kind of was the progression there. But I don't know. I guess I'm talking a lot, but <laughs> it really comes down to something very simple: of you know, be honest and and don't have an ego. Like everybody has, there's everybody has so much to teach you, and and mm. this is I just gave a perfect example of like this industry There there's so much to learn. And so just shut up and listen once in a while, I guess, is probably my my best advice to myself.
0: Yeah, no, I can take that advice myself as well. And I think, you know, I talked to a number of people about how to approach this this space effectively. And one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they've had success in other industries or they're in a leadership position with some non-endemic brand or whatever, and they just come in and start giving orders or talking and they don't take the time to listen and learn. And one of the great things about this space is when you ask people what they want, they'll tell you. Especially from a, you know, I I come from the the sponsorship partnership side of things, but if you go to a brand or if you go to a team as a brand and you essentially say, hey, we want to do X, Y, Z because our KPIs are these sales and this, that, and the other, low likelihood that you're going to find success. But if you go to a team or a content creator, what have you, and say, hey, can you tell me what I should do? Um, Mm -hmm. What are your pain points? What are some things that you need solved that maybe my product or service can provide a solution or enhance experience? And when you take that approach, not only is the the consumer audience going to embrace you, but the industry as well sees that you're there for the right reasons to support the thing that they are so passionate about
1: absolutely and it goes so far I mean that's that's the other thing that I've learned is right like when you do authentically support a scene or, or someone in the game space mm-hmm. they, the love is tenfold in return and so that's that's pretty impressive I've never seen so much passion for people that like oh you want to be part of our community and you're recognizing us like oh come on in you know like as opposed to hey we see an audience here that we want to you know slap our logo all over and then they're the exact opposite opposite and, and you'll get rejected very very quickly so that's right yeah that's it, it that's a. Uh, there is a lot of love though it for, for the support the authentic support of gaming and esports no doubt about it
0: yeah one thing i've re- i've experienced is a, a major difference between skateboarding which has you know been my life experience before my esports career the difference between skateboarding and, e- and esports is the desire to go mainstream and to be accepted by the mainstream. So while skateboarding is more of a counterculture that says, we don't want you around if you're not on a skateboard, we don't (laughs) care about your validation, what have you. Gamers historically have looked for that validation that hasn't been there historically. And so there's, when you do validate that in in the ways that matter to them, that's where this acceptance comes from. And what can appear to be gatekeeping or you know not wanting anybody in this world is just a response to perhaps people not approaching the space in a way that keeps it pure because one of our biggest concerns is that you know all these brands and these dollars come in and the whole reason that this entire industry was starting in the first place is gone because yeah. it's no longer about competing at the highest level in the games that we love the most Right, it's yeah. been infiltrated by all these other initiatives that have other agendas beyond that.
1: And I don't know if it's the generation or if it's gamers or a little bit of both, but they—they're very smart. Like, they're it, smarter than your average consumer out there. Mm. Much more discriminatory, and so like they will check out their brands and they'll vet them. And 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 so they don't, you know, where where me, I'm kind of like a you know being forty nine. I'm I, you know my generation was like this dumb consumer of like you know, Coke and a smile. Okay. That's good enough for me. (laughs) You know, like I'll buy a Coke. Right. Um, You know, that's not, these guys, this generation and and especially gamers want to go deeper into what am I really consuming and why, and should I really support them? Yeah. so that, that's a big part of that as well, I believe.
0: Yeah. Back in the day, it was the, the company that bought the most billboards won the most business. And nowadays consumers, not only are they interested in, are you supporting me and what I'm about, what I want, want to do but we we see this with social causes as well right like hey is this brand taking care of the environment or whatever the the social cause that, that the person may care about i heard you talk about building an audience and so how your first step into this your successful journey here was building an audience so you have something credible that then can be supported with other types of businesses and scale what are some tips that you that you've learned how to successfully build an audience? And were there any? <laughs> how easy was this road? Was it bumpy or more smooth?
1: Well, if I was in charge of it, John, our audience would be maybe you because you're my friend and you listen. <laughs> but <laughs> I did not know about how to build an audience. That was very contrary to what I did in Scrap Metal, which was like stay below the radar. You know, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to draw attention to yours. I mean. We drew, we drew a very fair business, but it's like, I mean, you're shredding automobiles, and it's dirty, and it's, I mean, you know, you don't, like, you know, do these pieces on look at how great we are for this and that, although we should have, in retrospect, but
0: I could see a stream with, like, automobiles being smashed. I think that might draw an audience, but
1: it would. you're the expert it probably. here, I can be right. Well, but then, you know, you, you got someone saying that, oh, you know, this has this environmental impact, and Yeah. I mean, it was, it was heavy industry. It was heavy and it was heavy industry where, and so it was kind of a shock. I was like, I remember I did our, I did like a a PR, I did like a magazine interview or something. And, and I, I don't even remember what I said, but it was, it was very early on. And like my two vice presidents came back to me and like, how could you make that statement with, you didn't even tell us, you didn't run it by us. And that made me realize that, Hey, things are going to be a little different here. Like we have a public perception. We have, you know, a brand identity that we have to, you know, kind of stay within and, and and define those kind of, they were all so foreign to me really. And so I hired the right people and it was, they, they did a great job. I mean, our social media team, I guess that, that I'd give them a ton of credit. Um, like, you know, just on Twitter on being able to, in, engage an audience and to respond quickly and to make them laugh and to you know to I, I don't know how they do it <laughs> I wish I could speak more educated about it to be honest with you but all I know is that our, our team is great at that and I definitely you know I brought people who were experienced in the industry who had made content that had already generated audience I guess so yeah heavily heavily thankful for uh for everybody at Wisdom specifically J.C. Gluck <laughs> I don't know if you know J.C. Gilly Gluck not personally so we had dinner together yeah oh, yeah we I, we had dinner at the Smack Shack that one night together. <laughs> yeah. But so she 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 she's, she she's our senior vice president and she's our head of, of all of our content and all of our brands. And she she really understands what audiences are looking for and, and how to appeal to them.
0: That's awesome. So, I mean, one thing that I've heard a lot of people in this podcast say is how important building a great team is. So yes. what I'm hearing from you is... One key to building an audience is to hire people who know how to build that audience, and hire for your for your weaknesses, right? Like you, you've got your own yes. personal strengths that I'm sure you're handling things day to day, but there's other pieces that are are less native to you that you're hiring for. Give us a little bit of an insight on building a great team. What what should people keep in mind when they're when they're doing that?
1: And I've continued to learn this, so it's not like I went in knowing all this. But transparency is everything. People do not like finding out about things after the fact. It's also important to understand what people's roles are, and so and to make sure that you're you're setting the expectations of what they should be a part of and what they shouldn't be a part of. And so and just that communication down is is really the most important thing. Transparency, clarity, yes jobs that you want. Like I say, you understand this is how far you go and and you just have to trust in the other people. And it's, and then it's, it's, it was really hard to be honest with you over COVID when we were completely virtual, as we continued to hire to, to be able to develop that trust among each other. And we had a lot of people who really excelled and kind of just took things under their own wing. And then once we got back to office, there had to be that kind of trust established with everybody that, okay, I'll stay in my lane. You'll stay in your lane. And once we meet together you know then we'll we'll be able to move this thing forward but i would say yeah i mean you, you really people have to feel valued in what they do and so you have to make sure that there's like certain achievement points that, that they can be celebrated like oh hmm. you got this done by this deadline great let's you know let's let's continue to push those kind of things because people don't like just like day to day what am i going to do not feeling part of the bigger picture and so it's a it's a fine balance, but it it is really important to keep people all you know understanding like what the company is really trying to accomplish and, and what role they specifically play in in helping them to to meet that achievement.
0: Yeah, I love that I, I I've had a few jobs where I had more mundane tasks, but I had an opportunity to maybe suggest a creative idea. That was made more of the, the the core part of the business or the outward facing part of the business. And so if my idea was taken or even inspired something better, just that alone really fueled me to get all those timesheets done. That, you know, that was like the boring actual part of my job. But I, yeah, I think empowering people to do things that they're passionate about, obviously Every person nowadays wants to work in the thing they're passionate about, but I've heard it said that, man, at work, they have to pay you to show up. You're not going to enjoy every aspect of it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, the things that you enjoy, you typically pay to enjoy, and they're called hobbies. Here, it's direct (laughs) cash is the only thing getting you to show up at 9 every morning. But there are times when we can empower people and let them have a little bit of skin in the game and contribute directly beyond just those core day-to-day business needs. And it sounds like that's something that you've implemented successfully in your business.
1: I think so. I mean, it's really important that the people, I hate to use the term not beneath you, but just under you in the, in org the chart. hierarchy are the ones that are celebrated. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it's, it's, it's you have, it has to be about the masses that everybody, when you win, the whole team has to feel the win. It's not Mm -hmm. Mike winning, or it's not just the executive team winning. Otherwise you've completely wasted it. And everybody, and and everybody else is like, ah, great. You know, the wins have to be completely team wins. And the only way they're going to feel like that is when everybody feels a piece of, of that they that they were part of what led us to the victories. And, And like I say, it's very rarely me that's leading us to those victories. It's everybody else that's putting their parts together that, basically leads to our victories and so yeah i mean it's and that's part who doesn't want to win with a team like you know it's so much more fun to win with you know a hundred of your people that you've worked so hard with as opposed to like you know lifting yourself up like that's not fun (laughs) you you know there's no one else to celebrate with so yeah team mentality is uh that's where all the rewards are in my opinion
0: yeah i love that leadership perspective as we have about 20-ish minutes here left in the episode. I want to point you looking forward to Web3. You guys are a pretty innovative company here at Wisdom, and I've loved better understanding your business model and the different initiatives that you're working on. Web3, the metaverse, mobile gaming, these are things that are trending up where we're seeing companies really lean in to find success. What is your perspective, and what are the things that you're looking forward to accomplishing there?
1: is coming up with cool experiences for fans and, and gamers alike the one of the things that attracted me so much to gaming and it, it is not just web 3 either it's just any type of technology i guess web 3 is a part of it but the medium struck me as so engaging or so so interesting because it's so engaging yeah it's no longer some it's no longer a brand or a or or a voice just talking to us and us sitting back you know that netflix and chill vibe it's this is you're engaged right you're mm-hmm. in chat you're communicating with th- hundreds of thousands of people even the person who is the talent who's the you know the star that you're watching there's a chance that they're going to respond to you and so right. it's 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 taking that and then bringing it even further is is how do you continue to to engage engage the audience on a deeper level how do they feel ownership into the event or or the stream or whatever's going on. And so Twitch provides some amazing opportunities as far as Twitch extensions and second viewer types of experiences and mobile gaming. I mean, it's, uh, who knows where that's gonna go, but everybody has a device. And so it's it just, it's gonna be ubiquitous. And so, so we've recently kind of flexed our development prowess a little bit more as far as doing some cool things that we're working on. We're gonna be launching a tool, can't talk about it yet, but we're gonna be launching it at Gold Rush. Cool. which is going to be a way for uh, live fans and Twitch fans to interact together. So it's really like, as Wade Pentfold, who is our vice president of strategy, talks about breaking the fourth wall, really like, you know, having the viewer experience be multiple different sensory experiences. And, and gamers are the right audience for that. And yeah. so Ian Anderson, who is a co-founder of Wisdom and really genius when it comes to development both web 2 and web 3 is is really kind of leading all of those efforts with wisdom labs is is what we're calling it and we have a lot of cool development opportunities that have just started popping up and so hopefully we'll have some announcements coming out within the next well who knows when this podcast airs we might already have some announcements up
0: (laughs) yeah i think we'll be about around four weeks from today so yeah we'll definitely make sure to to support those announcements when is the gold rush event by the way
1: It is August, hold the calendar here, so I get the dates right. Yeah. It is August 26th, 27th, 28th. We're going to have a bunch of Rocket League influencers coming in town. I don't
0: know, were you familiar with the original Gold Rush? No, tell me about it.
1: So Gold Rush was a land that was established, I think it was probably five or six years ago, where it was really just a chill weekend where a bunch of Rocket League influencers and Rocket League... Players and Rocket League talent got together and hung out and played games and and streamed, yeah. And it it really just created just the coolest interactions between these memorable moments between the personalities that everybody watches on a weekly basis through RLCS, and so we. We we did a couple during COVID. We did, I think, three during COVID where they were completely virtual, but we did like cool versions once we did a a renaissance theme of people playing Rocket League and we had custom maps and cool influencers. But this is going to be our first opportunity to actually do a live one. And so we're bringing a bunch of Rocket League talent in town live and we're going to be streaming live from all of America, studio audience. So there is an opportunity for the upper studio audience to come in and watch the live streams and, wow. and see the players in person. And then we're also gonna have a big activation in the rotunda, which will be, we're gonna be watching a lot of the content, but also, like I say, having some some kind of rotunda versus Twitch battles going on that, we, that we're that we pretty excited about. So yeah, that's that's in, I guess, three weeks from now. And the coolest thing is it's like, I'm, a, I'm such a fan of the scene and then we're gonna be hosting this awesome event that I get to be a part of, which is kind of a you know like a dream. That's what what else would I rather be doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, like really combining a passion with 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 work in this case.
0: That's exactly right, and that's what we've been talking about. Is you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek about people wanting to to work within their passion and and nothing else. Back when we used to back in the day, show up to the, the scrap metal yard and start crushing cars, <laughs> you know, whether we liked it or not. And that's right. I think it's so cool that number one, that this passion has developed through your life and as you found it and the opportunity and then applying your your business understanding and your leadership to build a great team that has essentially, rather than, I guess what I'm trying to say is rather than just having a passion and saying, I want to go work in this industry, you have very actively developed something that has enabled you to participate in your passion
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i got i would say i've been very lucky and blessed to, to have this opportunity to be totally honest with you a lot of people and that's what i did for you know 20 some years was it's work and you have to go and you have to do it and because you have a family and kids and you know yep. and you'll go do that and and i think it's rare i think maybe people maybe today's generation has it more has their priorities a little straighter where, you know, the almighty dollar isn't the end all be all. And if I can do something that I love and is a job, then why not? Right. And so I I got to experience that where a lot of people my age don't get that opportunity. And so I'm I'm extremely grateful for that. And I don't think I've wasted a day of it. and I'm going to eat it up as much as I possibly can until we don't do this anymore, which I hope is 50 years from now. (laughs)
0: yeah no i think that's amazing and also we have greater opportunities to do what we love where even 15 years ago maybe the the idea that you could become a content creator was far less likely than kids who are being born today and just have this direct access to i've got a webcam and i've got an internet connection and based on my personality my gameplay i can build an audience and find a way to do this for a living
1: it's a technical revolution. It really is because you think about what it would have taken to set up a studio that broadcasts live in the past. I mean, you had CBS, NBC, and, you know, and ABC. I mean, right. billions of dollars to be able to try to get your live uh, stream in front of an, a, a television audience at the case of what it was. Well, now everybody has that opportunity and we're, we want to take full advantage of it. And that that was really, I, I, as I saw it as well, to be able to get into broadcasting Mm -hmm. If I if someone, we wouldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't say that 15 years ago that I'm going to start a broadcasting company. People would have laughed at you. Right. And while it's not broadcasting, it's streaming and there is a difference. Um, Essentially, it's the next gen of broadcasting as I see it.
0: Yeah. My first question would say, is your father's name on the Forbes billionaire list? Because (laughs) other than that, the chances are low, but also too, you know, when we talk about this technology emerging to your point earlier, gamers have really trailblazed how content is consumed currently and i think that's so cool that our community has really been the ones to to push this forward nowadays every company that's had a broadcasting studio now has a plus next to their sign (laughs) to stream stuff right right? right. and so gamers are really the ones pushing that and people thought wow really you're gonna watch someone with a webcam just play a video game instead of you playing it and yes first of all
1: especially when they got a personality that makes you laugh or makes you or, or stirs some emotion in you
0: exactly no doubt about it <laughs> man i'm so curious to hear about this more about this this interactive platform wisdom labs without divulging too much as much as you can what are some things from the current experience that you see are missing that can be improved
1: more participation by the by the by the fans themselves so just feeling part of the broadcast you know you see them sometimes i mean and they have like live votes where you know you can vote for this or vote for that i think it's it's again it's to start with the medium you're talking about a two-way conversation let's make it a two-way full interaction and not just conversation so mm. not only will you just watch what i have going on but you can influence what i have going on or Or you could add an element to what's going on. I'm, you know, I'm just making this up, but I'm playing Fortnite, and I all of a sudden the audience decides to throw in a dragon, and he's fire breathing. And I mean, you know, again, I'm just making stuff like that up, but, but, and we're not doing that. (laughs) Yeah, for the record, yeah, epic, scared or anything, yeah. (laughs) But, but no, it's 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 engaging the audience on a on a deeper level is really what our major focus
0: is. That's interesting. I think one example and it may not be a direct example but the fan-controlled football league yes is one where i believe the fans vote on which play is going to be played or something like that and That's so correct. did that provide any type of inspiration to you or or a case study
1: inspiration for sure mm-hmm. i mean uh, yeah that was I, I think it was genius when i first heard about that i don't you know it, it's 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 I would imagine tougher. Well, I don't know. I I don't know. I I have not participated in it. But certainly when I that's exactly the type of opportunities that we're looking to do is where, you know, uh, an immersive experience for fans on every opportunity as, as much as we can do. So, yeah, that's It's a great that's a great analogy. That was definitely an inspiration.
0: Yeah, the thing that I think about with fan-controlled football is the the physical <laughs> toll, the collateral damage, if you will. I could I could see if I was a running back on a team and yeah. the fans call, call another run. It's like, the O-line literally does not right. exist in this game. Don't send me through that front line one more time. But in games, and this is what's cool about games, is that aspirational nature, the ability to create things that in our daily reality don't or cannot exist. There's a lot more opportunity to really lean into that and create that interaction and increase engagement.
1: Yes, and that's that's the objective. It's a it's a it's a fantasy world, and it can go, you know, the, nothing is there's there's no uh, there's no limitations of where you can go in gaming and, and what you can create. And so that's where we'll continue to focus.
0: That's awesome. I love the the innovation. That's all throughout wisdom and seeing this space that has so many opportunities, but also it takes a great team and a great vision to really take the steps to bring those things to fruition and to through a sustainable business model as well. So we'll definitely be looking forward to Gold Rush, August 26th through 28th. And that is in your Mall of America location?
1: Yes. And uh, we'll be streaming on uh, Rizzo's channel as well as our own channel.
0: Wonderful. Before I let you go, if there's anything that's kind of permeated to the top of your mind during our discussion that you feel that the audience should come away with from this episode, whether it's leadership, whether it's business, whether it's passion around esports or something else, what would you like us to take away? That's a
1: good question. And I, I would say learn from the young. I mean, I, you know, I'm almost 50, 49 this year. And I never consider myself to be old, but I consider myself to be the generation. And now I realize I'm not the generation anymore. It's, hmm. you know, the, the people that are younger than me and they're the ones that are going to make the decisions and shape the world. And if you want to participate in their world, you better listen and learn from them. And that's, I guess what I would say is, is don't, don't look at the young, at the younger generation and say, they don't do this or they, they don't work hard or they don't, they're lazy. Uh-uh. You know, they have different priorities and mm-hmm. you should probably listen to their priorities because... A lot of them are a little bit are probably are probably prioritized better than your own. <laughs> so <laughs> right. uh, A lot to yearn from the learn from the young. that's that's what I, that's what I'd say.
0: I love that. you'll probably find they're a lot more hardworking, insightful, and clever than from the perspective of a previous generation and may very well help you either in the next phase of your career or help you do what you're doing even better from there lens and the and I mean I believe experience is everything there's no substitute for it but there's also something about having a young perspective of I can do anything Mm -hmm. where I'm 39 years old you're 49 not looking at day over 48 I might add (laughs) and Thanks. we may be jaded right we may have tried some things and hit that wall and oh that's not possible or i can't do that or i've never seen anyone do that and one thing that young people have that's very powerful is the belief that they can do anything and we'd probably all be better off if we could adopt that well when i'm talking
1: about the young two i guess john i'd still consider you part of that and i've learned a lot from you and getting to know you so i would consider you as part of the youth that i got to meet by getting into this industry
0: I'll take it. I think before April 10th, when I turn 30 or 40, excuse me, because yeah, I'm already forgetting <laughs> my age, I'll be in that group. All right, Mike, before I let you go today, what are the ways that the audience can follow you and Wisdom in the ways that you'd like them to? Check out our
1: Twitter feeds at TorrentHQ and at Wisdom DG. That's W at WSDMGG and check out our Twitter feeds. They'll take you to our Twitch feeds, check out our, ins- our our influencers and our streamers. And yeah, please come visit us at Mall of America whenever you get a chance, anybody, but especially you, John.
0: Absolutely, I'll be there first chance I get. So Mike, it's always a pleasure to see you, whether it's in person in Minneapolis or whether it's on a Zoom like this one. And I just so appreciate you sharing your career journey and your insights with our audience on the DLC Drop Podcast.
1: Yep. Anytime, John. Thanks for everything. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the eSports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.